Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors podcast sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, This month, just to kind of intro into this, we are going to be covering the questions that you submitted on Instagram and kind of the format and how it's going to go is we are going to start off with like a quick question, one that can be answered fairly quickly, that doesn't need a lot of detail put into it, and then we will segue into a much bigger question that will take up the, uh, the rest of the episode. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of questions submitted, so we're not going to be able to get to all of them, but we kind of combined, there were a lot of similar ones, uh, so we'll combine a lot of the similar ones to make a, you know, one bigger question perhaps. Now, the good news is if we don't cover something specifically like uh in this or don't delve deeply into something like really like micro uh there will be a note uh link in the description uh show notes that will like link you to a page that you can kind of dig in a little bit deeper uh so that will be there for you as well so what we're going to start off with rob how you doing today i'm doing um great are you yeah i'm i'm happy to be here (laughs) okay that sounded a little sarcastic i don't don't even know now (laughs) It's great. There's, there's no guns pointed at my head around. Um, all right. So we're going <laughs> to intro with a question um, that uh, I think, so a lot of the time, this question seems to come from a, 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 probably a student or like a teenager or somebody that's younger. Uh, but the question starts off with, how do you honor your parents when it's hard to do so, uh, as well as not losing respect uh, for elders in general? So. I'm going to let you kick that off there, Rob, uh, on that end of it. Yeah. So first of all, I feel you (laughs) not, I mean, not just on the parent thing, but just in general, it's, there are some people that are really easy to love. And there are some people that really, I think really test us and in that kind of thing. So, um, so I, I get it and it is difficult to love some people for sure, but it was um, a big deal for God to love you, right? And I think that's that's the the heart of it is the the scripture that um, you were just talking about this a minute ago before we went on air that such were some of you, right? And I I think about those particular words a lot because it is super easy um, for me or anyone to forget that. Um, I was a sinner, right? And I still am. I still mess up all the time, even though I'm a believer now and I'm a disciple of Jesus and I follow him and I, and I run toward him. There are plenty of days and moments that I don't. Right. And, um, so when I, when I struggle with honoring somebody or respecting somebody or, um, whatever that looks like for you, disrespecting or, disliking somebody or whatever. Um, it is 100% of the time, my heart that is wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, uh, at the end of the day, um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. And, um, so he didn't wait around for us to be likable or for us to, um, earn his respect or for us to earn his, um, even for us to earn his trust. He died for you and me um, before, obviously in this day and age, before we were born, right? And he made that sacrifice long before 
um, you ever even tried to do one thing correctly. Um, so it, it's, it's helpful to understand uh, that you don't deserve Jesus. And so if someone doesn't deserve respect in, in, in one moment, right, somebody fails you or whatever, which is going to happen no matter who they are. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and why he had to come. And that Jesus had to die for me because I'm a wretch, right? Um, as Todd Friel always says that I'm the wretch the song refers to, right? Talking about amazing grace. And so um, that, I mean, that's, that's really the answer. It's, it's not as much um, like here are five steps or here are seven things you can do to, to help um, respect your parents when it's not easy. Um, because, because of our flesh and our heart, it's, it's maybe never going to be easy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it really comes down to more of, of a heart issue within me than, than anything that my parents have done or will ever do incorrectly or badly or wrongly or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps, but hopefully it does. Yeah. And I think what I would add to that, I mean, so to attach to the end of that going on like so as hard as you think it is probably to like uh obey your parents like that doesn't get easier later so like you're gonna have a boss eventually like no matter who you are <laughs> you're gonna have a boss i mean you are yeah. and that boss is is going to be probably more difficult for you to respect them um or honor them specifically because if it's your parents you defaultly love them even like when you're mad at them you're like all right fine i love you anyway like even when you're you're like really angry with them but i've had some bosses before that i'm like oh like if there is if you could, could jump off a cliff that would make my day uh so like that oh. <laughs> that's gotta have like they're just you're not guaranteed like good leaders ever um now obviously the hope is right that especially with your parents that they're doing things that are for your good even if you don't know that so, for example, there was one time I had a DMX CD in my car and my dad threw it out the window and I was really mad at him at the time. Like, I was so mad at him at the time. But uh, looking back, he was just looking out for me. Yeah, that was probably a good move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, it was, it, it, I was just like, why did you do that? But, like, he was just looking out for me. And I think some of the times when we have a hard time respecting our parents, like, your perspective is just off. Like, give it 20 years and you'll be like, that was the best thing you did for me. <laughs> like, that was great. Um, so that was, I mean, just to tag on to the end there, uh, I think how you do it is like Rob said, just remember like the perspective that God has on us in that regard, like, uh, that, you know, that while we're yet sinners, he died for us. Like it's, it's just a matter of, of perspective of understanding that God's got it. He's in control. Um, and it's your job to be respectful. Even sometimes when people aren't deserving of that. Yeah, but yeah. To, to live out a witness of why you like eventually it'll be like you obey even though like no one else does. Um, and that'll give you a chance, believe it or not, uh, to tell people about what Jesus has done in your life, which is, again, just <laughs> living out that witness despite yeah. opportunities. So um, that would be I think there you go. There's the quick answer to that. <laughs> Hopefully it's helpful. Yeah, there's a lot more that you could say about that, but yeah, yeah, yeah for like sure. Like I said, there's, I mean, well, you could write a book with five steps, but at the end of the day, sure. uh, what it really comes down to is understanding that uh, if you've been changed by Jesus, then you are to live out a life that reflects that. And yeah. And, and you can't, 
So this is a this is an issue that I think um, we run into a lot. I know. I mean, and I'm not talking from some sort of pompous podium that I'm behind. Like this is real life. I I struggle with this. Every one of us. So if you don't struggle with this, you're a liar, and you struggle with that too, right? So um, th- this is a this is hard for everybody. It might not be parents for some people, but it it's somebody, right? And um, and I think it's 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 easy to go down that road, but, um, it, it's not, um, struggling to honor somebody or struggling to, to, to care for somebody correctly or whatever. Like, like at the end of the day, I have to remember at all times, which is impossible, but I have to remind myself of the gospel, right? I have to remind myself, um, that, that Christ died for me because I needed it too. I can't expect, this is, this is the point I wanted to make. I, I can't expect um, other humans, no matter who they are in my life, to be Jesus, right? And so everybody is going to fail you. Mm-hmm. I don't know who asked this question or where you're at in life, but um, like this applies for me and, and my marriage, right? Like there are plenty of days I'll go home from work or, or whatever, and I have certain expectations of what I'm going to come home to. And I come home and they're different. They're not like things aren't bad, right? Like my wife hasn't thrown a child through the window or anything ridiculous, that's, right? That's winning. <laughs> right. That, that would be rough. Uh, but, uh, but something might not be done that I kind of expected would be done or whatever, right? Um, that some people might not be in the same mood that I wanted to come home to have, you know, um, and so I get frustrated and I, in my flesh at that moment would probably say, it's hard for me to respect you or, or whatever, like, like the same thing with your parents. When in reality, I was expecting my wife, who is a fallen creature, who has different expectations, who had a different plan for the day. Um, I expected of her to completely fulfill my every whim and desire for that evening. Right. There she and <laughs> right. And so we other, you can't expect any other human being on the planet ever in your life to, to be Jesus and to be perfect and to live up to all the expectations you have. And so the, everyone's going to fail you, you know, just like you're going to fail everyone at some point. <laughs> yeah. So such were some of you. There you go. All Exclamation right. point. So that, uh, as a quick segue into what the rest of the episode will be about, which uh, will also simultaneously likely cause a dumpster fire in the comment section. So let's get into it. <laughs> Mind blown. So one of the questions that came up uh, that always, I mean, always comes up. This, this question came up back when I used to do uh, live interviews on Instagram with people that we weren't even talking about this subject. Like this always comes up. And it's, uh, the question is, uh, what does the Bible have to say about homosexuality? Always comes up. Um, probably by the time this uh, podcast goes live, about a month ago, uh, I did a video on it. Uh, not even specifically on it. I just talked about it. And it was just like comments everywhere. And I'm sure um, it'll be similar with this. But the important thing is, and what we want to do is answer that uh, according to what we see in Scripture. Now, that being said, um, there's obviously an opposite view of this. There's an oppositional view of this uh, that takes scripture and then will 
would say everything we're about to say is wrong and inaccurate. Um, we're not going to be able to cover. Which is wrong and inaccurate. <laughs> there you go. Ironically. Um, so in the notes that I talked about, that'll be in the description and show notes, like we'll go a little bit more in depth with it because we won't be able to cover like every nuance. And the, I don't expect every nuance to be in this the, the link either, but uh, it should expand it out a little bit. But one of the verses, and uh, I'll, I'll mention this one real quick, and then I'll throw it over to you because I know you got quite a few too because you've preached a sermon on it. But uh, one of the verses I always go to with this uh, is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse uh, 9. And it's basically just Paul talking about who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he, that's not the important part of it. It's actually what he says at the end. But he says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do, you, do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral or the idolaters or adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11 is really the important part here. And such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Um, and anytime it comes to this, this subject, I always want to bring up that verse. Because Paul's clear here that they used to be these things. Um, and because of what Jesus has done, they are no longer these things. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit as we talk about it. But like verse 11, uh, if verse 11 wasn't there, you know, it might, you might have a, a, a case, a little case, <laughs> a little itty bitty case. Like there's plenty other verses. But verse 11, especially in six here, just ties a bow on it. Uh, and says, such were some of you, which indicates that all of those things, not just the homosexuality that we're going to talk about, but all of those things were issues that, that those in the Corinthian church struggled with. But because of Jesus, and that, I mean, don't, don't, don't like look over that. Like, that's a huge thing. But because of what Jesus has done, they are no longer those things. Um, which are not defined by it. Yeah. Yeah. Which really speaks to just the power of what God does in a person's life. So lots of times we talk about, you know, God forgiving our sins and you're saved and you're going to heaven, but like the, the enormity of those things that people, that we, that we as people are attached to in our sin, like that's the kind of thing God sets us free from, like not just, Oh, just slap on the wrist you were bad, but like huge things that define our lives. And he says, you're, that's not you anymore. You've been, you know, such were some of you. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that, but like every single time that's brought up, this topic's brought up, uh, we need to be reminded of like, like, like Rob said in the other, even answering the other question, such were some of you, which is this huge indication of that used to be who you are. Um, and now because of Jesus, you're different. So, yeah. And I, when I, when I preached that sermon, I actually, um, this scripture that you just read was part of my closing, um, of that sermon because, um, it, it's really important and we can look over this, right. But what is the very first, uh, in, in verse nine, what is the very first, uh, descriptor or exclusion, right? What is the very first group that are, that is being excluded? 
sexual the unrighteous or unrighteous i'm sorry i went all the way back <laughs> right the yeah. unright so or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god so who who are the unrighteous Everybody. scripturally everyone <laughs> all of us right and i think i think sometimes in the not just homosexual but just the whole like lgbtq thing it can feel like we're singling out or picking on or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but this, this scripture, like this, this book is, it says that uh, you and me are horrific people deserving of death, right? Like we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not that we're trying to single any group out, mm-hmm. right? It's that the group that is singled out that deserves hell is humanity. Yeah. (laughs) In general, right? So the the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to describe some people who fit into that category. Mm -hmm. But make no mistake, every human being fits into that category. Yeah. Um, Well, and on that, before we leave that point too much, we'll get right back to that. Like one thing that comes to mind on that. So Bodhi Bauckham does a... uh, he has actually a whole lecture. It's not a sermon on a specific book. I forget the name of it, but the point is in that, in that lecture, he talks about how the church sometimes does a really bad job of, of communicating what you just said in the mm-hmm. sense that it does come off as uh, the church in general is picking on homosexualities because he says, what yeah, happened yeah. is pastors don't get up and say, so when a pastor gets up and preaches a sermon about homosexuality, not all the time, for example, but some of the time, they say, well, I have friends that are homosexual. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to, you know, pick on anybody. And he says, you don't do the same thing when you get up and preach on adulterers. It's not like you get up in front of the church and be like, I'm not, I have some friends that are adulterers. I'm not trying to pick on adulterers. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you don't get up and say that. He says, so why do you preface it? This? How does he know? Yeah, exactly. He says, because <laughs> the fact that you preface a sermon in a particular way oh, automatically man. shows that you're not approaching it in the way the Bible approaches it. Because like you said, the Bible says, hey, all of these people, all of us. And he says, yeah. so it's a matter of, he goes, you know, the wording has to be right from the pulpit to begin with and from the church in general that says, you know, because we, I hear that a lot too. Like, why is the church picking on? And uh, I can see that perspective especially if they have gone to a church that doesn't ever does address adultery, but it does address homosexuality. So I think mm-hmm. uh, from the church, big C church perspective, especially from those you know, of us that, that speak in front and cover these subjects, uh, it's one of those things where we do have to be really careful about like making sure that we're like, Hey, you know, all of this um, as well. So, I mean, that was really, I thought that was a really good uh, point that he made that like nobody gets up and prefaces any other type of sermon that way, yep. except that one. So I think that's important to note because um, to, 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 to really show how, how level the landscape really is. Um, because I know when I've dealt with the subject before, people are like, well, why is it held higher? And I'm like, I understand like how you, you can, like you think that the church does that. And in some cases, particular churches do but i said in general the word doesn't and that's that's what you got to look at uh, you can't make a generalized assumption about the whole church because of maybe churches you've been in that have covered it incorrectly so mm-hmm. um but yeah i think your point's great in the sense that it's like <clears throat> all of this like all of it um is horrible so yeah yeah, I so when when I um 
Romans one is kind of a, a really key text for for this. And so, first of all, yes, there there are things in the Old Testament. I personally don't try to dive back there because everybody says the same thing to that. What about shellfish? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't we obey all the law? Yeah. Well, that's a way longer discussion. So. Yeah. Um. So what what people, um typically really are asking is uh new testament stuff Mm -hmm. you know paul and then specifically jesus people will always ask well what did jesus say about it nothing right um but he actually in fact did so but romans um chapter one is just it's a really big um text for this so i don't know it's romans chapter one verses 18 to really to 32 Mm -hmm. is the whole kind of uh, text. Um, but the, the homosexuality thing is specifically, um, verses 26 and 27. Mm. Um, and it just says this for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that, which is unnatural. And in the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. So there's a lot there, right? And just those couple of verses. One, there's um, uh, natural and unnatural right? There's a way that we were created to function and there's a way that we were not created to function clearly described here by Paul, right? Um, there, there's also, um, it's, it's called degrading passions, right? First of all, the word homosexuality isn't used here, but really you, you have to, what's the, what's the word that you used, uh, when it comes to, uh, um, when we were talking about furtick and, and oh, isogenesis uh, and exogenesis. Yeah. Well, uh, and you said specifically, I I posted a quote of it on Instagram. You sp- you said specifically you have to do gymnastics to get around. Oh, yeah. Look, you have to do gymnastics to make this about anything but homosexuality. Mm-hmm. You just do because it's very clearly talking about that. There, you have to want it to not be talking about homosexuality to try and make it in your mind about something else. There's, there's no way just by reading this without any preconceived longings for what it, what you wanted to say, there's no way you're just going to read this and go, okay, that's not about homosexuality. It's got to be about something else. Well, and I think not to interrupt you, but I think that's important. What you just said is super important. So lots of times it's very hard. And I mean, I, I say, I say this for every, like everyone, this is very hard but you have to approach the word as best as you can without the lenses of like your notion about what you like your, your life. Right. So like if you were out in the, in a cave and somebody hands you this and you read it like as best as you can, like you're never going to be able to approach it in a neutral way because of how you've been taught or how you've grown up or the areas you've lived in. But uh, as, as much as a neutral way as possible and say, okay, you're just reading this. And what, like you said, when you come to this, what automatically are you going to be thinking about it? And so it's a matter of, I mean, I think even if you grew up in a culture 
that homosexuality was already accepted in and somebody hands you this letter and you read it, that's going to stick out. Um, even if you live in a culture that that's accepted in, because automatically you're going to go, well, we already do this. This is what he's talking about. Um, and the argument oftentimes is made, and I know there's people like Matthew Vines and stuff that make this argument about, um, well, it's talking about lustful passions and lustful passions are not the same as a committed relationship. Um, and that's, that's often the argument that I've heard. I know Matthew Vines has made, uh, I've heard often from other people as well about this passage. But I think what you have to look at in here is, like you said, the whole thing. So, yes, it, there, it, there is an indication here that it's like ravenous, lustful things. But at the mm -hmm. same time, even if you exclude that, um, there's, there's things like you talked about with the natural order of things, that even if you take that lustful thing out, it's still against what is already supposed to be, like, already set forth. Um, so like you said, you have to be doing cartwheels and jumping onto hooks yeah. and swinging everywhere in order not to see what Paul's clearly saying, that whenever you yeah. don't line up with what God has set up, then this is what happens to you. You just kind of run. I mean, you could apply this to really anything as well. He happens to deal with homosexuality here in the passage, probably because of the fact of, like you said, how rampant it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, he could do this with anything. If you don't line up with what God says, then you'll be crazy greedy with your money because that's what you're going to go to. Your natural, your default will be, I can do whatever I want because I'm my own God. Um, that's the core of it. He uses an example here of homosexuality. But the core of it really is that you're going against what God's naturally set up. And mm -hmm. he, he paints this really clear picture of, well, this is the most visual way you can see this, is that when you see two guys together, then you know that's not a natural thing. You see two girls together, you, you know that's not a natural thing. And that's the point. Yeah. I mean, that's the, like you said, it's a whole huge passage that these are stuck in between of. But the whole idea is here that God has set forth something. We rebel against it. And when we do, this is what happens. So, yeah. And I, I, I like going all the way to verse 32 in this text because um, 26 and 27 do deal specifically with homosexuality and and that's the picture he's painting like that's the example he's using of this the of the degrading passions that he he mentions um and then he goes on to talk about he lists a whole bunch of other stuff after that right um full of envy murder strife deceit malice gossips uh slanders haters of god insolent all all this stuff right and then in verse 32 he said, and although they know the ordinance of God, which takes you all the way back to the beginning, although God has created every human being with this sort of knowledge, feeling, innate, you know, there is something greater, there is a God, that kind of thing. Although they know the ordinance of uh, God, that those who practice such things, not just homosexuality, but the whole list of stuff, mm -hmm. right? Um, so even Paul's not just picking on that. Um, those who practice such things are worthy of death, right? And such things equals sin in general, right? Any rebellion. It's just like in the, the first scripture we were in, the unrighteous. That's everybody, right? Everybody is worthy of death because all have sinned, right? Um, those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, so they not only do these sins, they not only keep doing them, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And that is like 90% of America and a bunch of the church, 
mm-hmm. if you want to call yourself that nowadays, right? Like but, we, we just ache to be relevant and, and we end up giving hearty approval to those who practice sin and that's never okay. We don't attack people, right? But it's, it's not okay for us to say, well, no big deal, you know? <laughs> I mean, because it is a big deal. Well, I think that's a great segue into, I think, another heart of this question. So obviously, this is a combination of a few different questions we got, uh, but I think that's a great segue into a more specific question that was asked is that, can you be Christian and homosexual? Because that comes up a lot. Um, Honestly, uh, I think that I, I don't know if shelter is the right word for it. Like I knew people existed that thought that, that believe that they can be both. Uh, but this Instagram page and this, uh, that just in your face with like, you know, a lot of people, like the percentage of people is very high is all I'm saying that think that that's a thing. Um, and just so you're clear, like just in case you've got this far and you're wondering that and you don't want to listen any farther because you're going to click off of this as soon as I say it. But, um, I, (laughs) I don't think you can be both. And I say that with as much love as i mean you're not going to hear it that way you're not going to take it that way but i'm telling you i say that with as much love as possible uh in the same way that uh and i I, let me flesh that out a little bit when i say that i'm saying that you cannot be an active you cannot be actively pursuing your homosexual relationship and still be a christian now there's a huge distinction that's important Yeah. yeah there's a huge distinction between being uh, having having desires uh, for the same sex, and then also pursuing those things. Um, just like, for example, I can't sit here and be like, "Well, there's you know, there can be people that are adult, you know, are cheating on their spouse, but they're also Christian. Like they're actively pursuing <laughs> it with no repentance whatsoever. That's what right. I mean by that. Um, yeah, I think I think that when you go back to that First Corinthians text, um, one of the things is uh, covetous. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and then he says, such were some of you. So, so are we to believe that the entire Corinthian church who is now believing in Jesus and following Jesus are never covetous ever again, because they're different now? Exactly. Of course not. Right. Like if, if you were sort of uh, made and then some of your struggle is naturally homosexuality, right. If, if you struggle with that, that does not mean that you're, you can't be a Christian. Right. <laughs> Um, but like, like you're saying, it's, it's certainly a d- two different things, um, for me to covet and not give a crap and, and spit in the face of God and his word and not really care. Right. Um, that just means that I haven't met Jesus. <laughs> I mean, at that, at the end of the day, that's yeah. what it means. Yeah. Well, I think, and th- there is a distinction that I don't know is made a lot. Um, and, and, here's I think what it comes down to really at the base of it right so if you're sitting there and you just heard us say that and you're like well I don't agree with you well okay fine but you're not really not agreeing with me (laughs) um the the word I mean again you would literally have to take enormous steps outside of context to get any sort of idea that it doesn't mean that now I did have a conversation specifically with the person uh, in direct messages about that first Corinthian text. And they're like, well, I always read that as, um, you, you know, that, that that's kind of how, um, they worded it like that. That's more of a, an identity issue. So you don't identify 
as like, that's not your label anymore. So you used to, people were alcoholics, but now, you know, we're, we're, we're new in Christ. Uh, we used to, you know, really covet, but now we're new in Christ. Um, but there, there was no distinction between you giving that up. There was no distinction of that not yeah. being a thing anymore. It was just your identity somewhere different, which logic that's do you think that's an america thing though like at this point yeah. not not just america but just our our time and yeah. i mean europe other places are the same way but like for for me in this in this century when this was all written when paul was actually physically talking and saying these things and writing these things down um to say i identify as such and such means that you are such and such now yeah. right like it means that this is how i act this defines me to the very core mm -hmm. um now that like and i'm not trying to make light of it but now that i can identify as whatever the heck i want mm -hmm. right that doesn't even mean anything anymore to say i identify as yeah fill in the blank well and i think that's a great point because often so if you read Paul's letters. And after we will segue to, you know, what Jesus said about this. Here yeah, minute, sure. that, uh, if you read Paul's letters specifically, or really the apostles letters, but Paul writes a lot about it. Uh, oftentimes the reason that Paul is so hard on the churches when it comes to sin or what he's trying to correct or the issues they're dealing with is specifically what you just said, because the culture is seeing how they're living and how they're living is now affecting the name of Jesus, and that's a problem. And so their identity, because it's in Jesus, he's trying to point back to the fact that it does change you. It does affect how you live. It is, I mean, if you are a Christian, your entire life is different. So oftentimes when he's writing, and I mean, he's being pretty harsh at times with some of these churches, it always comes down to an issue of you're affecting the name of Jesus now, because yeah, yeah. you're saying one thing and you're living a different way. Um, and that's a problem because now it's not you that you're putting the bad name on. It's Jesus that you're putting the bad name on. Um, and the, it's always correction for the name and the renown of the gospel um, to make sure that that is proclaimed correctly, that that is seen correctly. Um, and I think that speaks directly to our culture right now. So like you said, oftentimes there are churches that are more than happy to embrace. Here's the thing, not only embrace homosexuality, but a number of other sins. Because if you give on one area, you have to yeah. give on other areas. Yeah. Um, so if you, you know, well, it's not a huge problem if, you know, Joe is drunk sometimes. It's not a problem if you don't, you know, if, you know, you're only human, so you're going to, you know, you're going to be verbally abusive to your child and your, your children and wife sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's you're only human. Deal, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you're only human uh, on a lot of different things. But I think that the Bible clearly speaks to the fact that, yeah, you're only human. That's why Jesus came. Um, and that affects everything. Now, that's not to say, like, we, I mean, we've said this in other podcasts, that it's not to say that you will be perfect in all your ways. Um, but that is to say that when the Holy spirit comes in and, re and, and, and you are redeemed and you are transformed, that there is a different way that you live. Um, yeah, yeah. So w whenever we get to passages, like, like what we've talked about so far, uh, a lot of it isn't a matter of, can I be, so when you ask, can somebody be homosexual and Christian? 
in your head logically. Now this is all outside of like, let's just exclude, let's look at the Bible purely as a book outside of anything else. Even if you look at it that way, you have to logically come to the conclusion that I can also be a drunk Christian or I can also be a lying Christian or I can also be a covetousness Christian or I can also slander people and still be a Christian. I mean, like you go through the whole list and do that. And logically, you would have to come to the conclusion that no, you can't be those things. Uh, it clearly teaches against those things, just like it clearly teaches against homosexuality. So you have to come to the point to where you go, is the Bible correct? Like, is, is it an inspired word of God? Or is it kind of a moral book that you can maybe follow a little bit? Um, and where you come down on the issue of can a can, can there be homosexual Christians like practicing again, make sure you make that distinction. Can there be practice practicing in a relationship, homosexual Christians? The Bible clearly says no. Um, and I think the clearest passage of that is the first Corinthian passage. Yeah. And when you, when you, uh, so what, when you were talking about, um, when you were listing all the things that you would have to logically come, you know, uh, come to the conclusion that you could be this or that, and then put Christian at the end of it. Um, it, it takes me to first John a little bit, right. When he's, he's describing, um, uh, sort of testing yourself, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, am I a Christian or not? And, um, he says in chapter one, verse six of first John, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Uh, but if we walk in light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. So, and then in verse nine, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's kind of a famous verse. If you're a Christian, you grew up in church, you've heard that before, right? Um, but what we're talking about is taking something that scripture clearly, I don't care who you are, if you're arguing against that, it's because you want it to say something it doesn't say, right? Scripture very clearly says that uh, homosexuality, among a billion other things, is a sin, right? And so if we confess our sins, what you're doing is taking something that um, the Scripture says sin and calling it not sin. So then how can you do this? Right? How can it? How can you be a person who um, confesses your sin to God? And and of course, if we do that, He's faithful and righteous, or faithful and just, depending on your translation, to forgive us our sins. Um, but we have to agree and call the same thing that God calls sin sin. <laughs> and and so to take uh, homosexuality is just the the question here. But you could say this about any of the stuff that, that mm -hmm. you were just saying, Michael, that, you know, uh, covetousness, drunkard, cheating on your wife or your husband, whatever you want to say, right? Being a liar, untrustworthy, whatever, being lazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you know, having no work ethic at all. Um, that there are literally infinite number of things we could fill that blank in with. But if I um, read... In, in scripture that something is sin and I say, no, I don't think that's sin for me, right? Then, then I can't, it's impossible for me to confess that as sin if I don't believe it's sin. Mm -hmm. Even though scripture and God who breathed scripture out says that 
it is. So, so um, let's get. So this episode is not too long because it's already going to be a long one. Um, let's. So let's do two two things here. One, we obviously need to address the issue of did Jesus say anything about it because that's the that's also um, something that often comes up that they'll say, okay, yeah. well Paul said a lot about it. And then the Old Testament said stuff about it. But like you said, normally the argument thing goes, you know, shellfish and clothing. So, um, again, that's much more of a deep argument or a, yeah. a deeper discussion. But uh, inevitably you'll get to, well, what did Jesus say about it? Because it's Christianity. It's, it's about Jesus. So what did Jesus say about it? And I know you got a couple things on that. Yeah. So um, I... Like I was telling you when we were before we hit record a few minutes ago, um, there there was an article. I forget who wrote it. I forget because it was, um, I, I don't know, from Huffington Post. Um, there was an article at one point when I was researching for the sermon that I preached um, that it really wasn't an article. And that was the point um, of the of the article where the, the title of it was something like um, did. Uh, what did Jesus have to say about homosexuality? Mm -hmm. Right. And then he, um, there were like hit enter five times. And then he said, um, uh, keep scrolling, hit enter five times. And then he said, Oh, look a little further. And then, and then at the very bottom of that, um, he said, he said nothing. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole thing. That was the whole article. Um, and so, did Jesus specifically mention the term homosexuality? No. I mean, that's the answer. When he was here on earth and he was doing his thing and his ministry, he didn't specifically say the word homosexuality, but um, Jesus and Paul uh, were contemporaries. They were around at the same time, right? They, um, culture, this is the point of that. The culture has, had not changed really at all if any right um and uh, so they lived in the same time homosexuality was clearly uh, an issue in the culture otherwise paul would have never mentioned it mm -hmm. jesus in mark chapter 10 um is the context he's actually talking about divorce but every every way that he describes marriage it is um uh let's see But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Okay. So that's point trans, one transgenderism as well. But uh, he made them male and female. There were two options, right? For this reason, a man shall leave his father, his father and mother. Okay. So there's Jesus' picture of marriage, father and mother. A man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And then uh, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So um, now, again, the context is divorce, but in that alone, he, so the culture around Jesus, um, homosexuality was a thing, and his descriptor of marriage is father and mother, right? Um, and and he says that God has joined them together, right? So this doesn't, we can take more away from this than just divorce, right? Mm -hmm. When you say marriage you know which romantic relationship in general jesus picture of that was father and mother man and woman and he said from the beginning 
God made them male and female. So from the very beginning, Jesus agreed with Genesis, right? Because mm-hmm. he was there, in case you didn't know that. Um, and all of creation, right? Male, female, man, woman, father, mother, husband, wife. He agreed with all of scripture um, that, that talks about this, mm-hmm. essentially. So I don't know where you want to go with well, that. And with I, that. I think that what you just said is very important. So uh, it's something I will link as well. There's going to be a lot of links in this description, but I think that's important just because of the enormity of this topic. But I'll also link a, uh, a debate between uh, Michael Brown and uh, James White. Uh, they were talking, they were in a debate against two uh, people that were pro Christian homosexuality. And in this debate, he makes, uh, Dr. Michael Brown makes a very important point in the sense that he says, Jesus doesn't necessarily, well, like we just said, he doesn't come right out and say it. Uh, he actually does refer to the text you just talked about uh, and then points to the point what you just pointed about in Genesis with the assumption here. He says the, the assumption of the word, it, the word being the Bible, is that it, like the assumption is, of course, homosexuality is against the nature of what God has set up. Like he said, if the example he gives, I think, was really good, which is why I'm bringing this up. But he says that if I give you a cookbook on healthy food, you're not going to find a bunch of recipes for how to make cookies in there because the assumption when I hand you this book is that it's a healthy cookbook. So you're not going to find desserts in there because it's not desserts that have unhealthy things in them because he goes, I might mention them. He goes, there might even be substitutes of how to do things that are snacks without having to include unhealthy stuff. He goes, that would be the only mention of it because I'm assuming when I hand you this, that you're, that you understand that this is a healthy cookbook. And in the same way, the idea, the Bible uh, does address it. Obviously Paul does extensively uh, as well as some of the old Testament texts extensively as well, just because of the cultures those around in distinguishing them apart from them because they are the people of God. Um, and the idea here is that if you come to the Bible and say, well, they don't say a whole lot about it. Uh, well, the, the reason it's not said a whole lot about it is because the assumption is that, uh, that this is not how God set things up. And when they are brought up, the text that we've already talked about, the reason they're brought up, uh, a homosexual is brought up within the list of every other thing that sets us apart from God is because it's addressing the fact that, okay, well, here is a list of things that are against God's natural order, which is assumed throughout the entire Bible. So, okay, well, here are the things that separate us. So let's address them now then. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why people say, well, it's always addressed negatively. There's no affirmative text. And that's absolutely correct because whenever it is addressed, the assumption coming in from the Bible is that this is against the natural order of things, just like you, you know, greed and, and, uh, and covetousness and being selfie. Like all of those things are assumed from the get-go. Like the Bible assumes that adultery is wrong. The Bible assumes that stealing things are wrong. The Bible assumes that covetousness is wrong. I mean, again, this is why when we see David and Bathsheba, like the Bible assumes that when he <laughs> saw her and he, she, yeah, that's a bad thing that he did. Like that's the assumption of the Bible. The Bible doesn't, picture that story as some glamorized thing it doesn't go well yeah you know he was feeling it so he did it like it goes that was a horrible moment in david's life and it addresses it in that manner um so i think that's important like what you just said knowing that when you're looking at the word the reason you have to do some sort of gymnastics around the scripture to make it say what you want it to say is because it it does come at it in a particular manner and it does address it severely along with like we've already said a lot of other sins 
because of how severe it is. And when you try to make it less severe, um, then like the text you already read, like it's a huge problem because now you're not only saying it's okay, you're promoting it. Um, yeah. and that makes it worse. So, um, so the last thing that I do think that we need to address because it comes up again, every time we talk about this question, um, and we, I don't know, we've never talked about this, this specifically. So it will be really interesting to get your input on it. Uh, oh but yeah, I would probably should have covered this off air before we did it. Hey, Hey guys, here is some on the spot stuff. So, um, I get all the time along with this question usually comes with, well, I was born this way. This is how I naturally feel. Um, why would God quote unquote make me this way if I wasn't supposed to do that? Yeah. If I wasn't supposed to feel that way. Um, so yes, you were, and no, you weren't. I think we agree. <laughs> um, so the, the whole gauging thing came out. I don't know uh, when it did. It was a long time ago at this point when we were younger. Um, uh, even the guy who, man, I, I should have, um, I didn't prepare for this part, but uh, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who came up with that, the, the um, geneticist who uh, produced that kind of article, that theory, right? Um, even he after researching says, no, no, that's not real. There's no gene in your body that causes you to be homosexual. However, um, it is absolutely true that every human being on the face of the earth that has ever been born or will ever be born is born into sin. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, David the, after the Bathsheba thing in Psalm 51, when he's repenting and freaking out because of his sin and, and really struggling from the depths of his soul as he's explaining to God um, how disgusting and despicable and uh, all of it was, he says in that Psalm, um, in sin did my mother conceive me. And, and what he means by that, not that his mama was stepping out on daddy, right? That's mm -hmm. not what that means. He's referring to the fact that from conception, like I, I, from my birth, I was born into sin. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, some people are born into uh, at, like different flavors of sin. You might be bent towards something else or bent toward this or whatever. Um, I, I will be the first to say that for a long time, I struggled with sexual immorality, you know, like it was, uh, it, I, I never struggled with homosexuality, um, but the same, same thing biblically at, at, at you know, same level of sin right there. And um, I, I was born in my flesh in such a way that I will look on a woman and lust for her, right? So yeah, you were born into sin. You were born with flesh. You were born to, and if, if your particular struggle happens to be homosexual attraction, same sex attraction, then, um, I mean, in some ways, sure. You were born like that. You were born into sin, mm -hmm. but, um, that's why we can say such were some of you because Christ comes and changes that, um, about us. And, and hopefully with, um, miraculous uh the miraculous uh transformation that the gospel brings 
um, you might still struggle with that some, but Christ's death and resurrection and a victory over sin, Satan, and death means that you now have the power because the spirit of God, the same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep in Genesis, right? That same spirit is in you and gives us the power through Christ to overcome sin. Yeah. Yeah. So I think do we that, agree. Yes, we do. We totally agree. <laughs> uh, as soon as you said that, I was like, all right, I think we're on the same page, but, and I think that's important. So, I mean, just to put that in a perspective. So you, I mean, maybe you don't get it, but like, so there are people that I know, that so me and you for example i mean born i think a lot of guys struggle with that exact same thing like that is our thing but there are also people that i know that don't deal with that at all right uh which is mind-blowing to me but they don't deal with sexual immorality but they do deal like alcoholism is a thing for them like they cannot like they when they were when they were an alcoholic they could not imagine not being an alcoholic Mm -hmm. um but now that Jesus has set them free from that, there was a guy that I preached at a church. He came up afterwards. And by the way, this, this, this sermon wasn't anything about alcoholism or anything like that. But mm-hmm. he came up afterwards and he showed me his 25-year uh, his pin from Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was just like it was a weird combo because it wasn't anything that I had talked about. But the man was so – I mean, it was about being set free from the power of sin and living a new mm-hmm. life with Jesus and those sort of things, which is probably the connection he had made. But I mean, he was cool. so proud of that. Yeah. That, I mean, he, he said, you know, it is not that um, he, he, I think his testimony exactly was it. I never thought I could give this, this thing up ever. Um, but by the power of Christ, 25 years sober. Um, and he did say, it's not that I don't struggle with that every so often. It's not that I don't think on my hardest days, like I'll just go back to that. But he goes, I remember who Jesus is and what he's done. Um, so I think to put that in perspective, this is what Paul's saying in first Corinthians. He, that same conversation that that man, that testimony that that man had is the same testimony that somebody can have over. I mean, some people just literally cannot not talk bad about people. Um, some people (laughs) just, they want literally everything else everyone has and they just, they will do anything to get it. Um, and these are the lists of Paul says such were some of you. And I think that's the same testimony that somebody that, that has come out of homosexuality could have could literally say the exact same thing and switch those words. 25 years ago, I would have never thought that this couldn't be me. Yeah. And it's not that I don't have that struggle anymore. It's just that I know Jesus is better and he's changed me. And I think that oftentimes, especially when I talk to people that are, that are, that, that are practicing homosexuals and they say, well, you know, he made me this way. I think you're, I mean, what you said is exactly what I would tell them. Um, that, yeah, but do you know the power of who Jesus is? Because this is such a part of your identity, just like the alcoholic, it's such a part of their identity. Um, it's so ingrained, but God is so much bigger than that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think honestly, it does come down to how, how high you hold the scripture. How, how do you see God's sovereignty and control and ability to do things? Um, because if he is just a God that forgives your sin and gives you a ticket into heaven, well, it's just the horrible things that you think are horrible. But if you mm-hmm. understand how big he is, it's not only the things that you think are bad. It's far beyond what you can even uh, imagine is, is things that he can work out of your life and the things that he's... I mean, when I got saved, there were obviously things that were immediate in front of my face that he had to take care of. But I can tell you years down the road, there's little things that I never even thought were an issue that he's shown me that like, so 
I, I naturally, if you give me something to do, I will work to death to get that thing accomplished. And there have been times in my life where I made that thing more important than him. And I'd work, 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 work. And he had to show me after he got rid of the things that were immediately in front of my face, that that's a problem too. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that's the big picture here that Paul's painting that such for some of you is like, that's how big God is. That not only is the little things you think are a problem, it's your entire identity, whatever yeah. that thing is. So what, what time are we at right now? Uh, well, bro, this is a long podcast. We are at about an hour. So, whoa. <laughs> but I think that that is, uh, we'll probably end here unless this you have a big some subject though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, I did not expect this to be a, uh, and again, we didn't cover everything we could have covered that will we'll try to include those in in the links that uh, will be provided because there's lots of stuff that you probably still have questions about uh, the words specifically used here how they break down in the original language because people yeah, are that the, a lot even even the context of the whole the whole Romans text exactly right because it, it narrows it down in this whole thing honestly uh, no matter what that sin is right this entire conversation boils down to worship mm-hmm do you worship you or do you worship God? Yeah. That's really the, the very uh, most basic, most deep uh, part um, of the question. That's where the whole thing lies. Yeah. So, um, so if you made it this far in the podcast, if you got to the end, you get a medal. <laughs> Just then, then you know the power of God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you sat through this whole thing. So, uh, do you got anything to end with, or do you think we've given them enough? I've, I've said enough, bro. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you for uh, getting this far. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be covering another uh, set of questions that you guys submitted. Um, and uh, if you hate this podcast, that's fine. You, you leave that comment and whatever you want to do. And if you love it, uh, make sure you rate it and leave something as well. Thank you for uh, watching, listening, subscribing, whatever you do. We appreciate it. We will talk to you later.